It's football and other F-words. My name is Zach Lines. You can follow me on X at F-words pod. He's Mike Curtin. You can follow him on X at Mike Curtin NFL. Both stackinginbox.com and paulkarski.com have a combine mania going on. Uh, of course, PK is up there at the combine. And of course, uh, with 440 Sports, he's doing some uh, podcasts with there. And of course, we have Easton Freeze and JT Runke or Runke, it's the worst last name in America, uh, is also up there at the combine. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. What was the guy's in- name? Kaniga uh, uh, from West Virginia? Yeah, that might be worse. Maybe. I don't know if you're coming through your microphone now. That uh, so I don't know if something's happened, but you may need to move it closer to you or something. Uh, but that's Mike Erden, like yeah. I said. He's got some combine stuff up at podcarsky.com. We have videos between me and Stoney, and on Thursday we have <laughs> – uh, we separate it into two parts, but we have over two hours of me and Stoney watching Travis Glover film. But not just talking about Travis Glover, okay? It's not just, I mean, we were talking about Travis Glover, but we were talking about his process, what he sees. And we're, it's kind of like those old I'm an idiot videos where we're explaining, like, I'm asking him questions that the normal person would be asking him. And speaking of that, we're going to be having stuff. Uh, over at stackinginbox.com, I believe next week is when I'm going to plan it, but it's going to be webinars for a free agency where you guys can come and watch in real time me configure contracts, talk about certain things, and ask questions at the very end. And we'll be able to, uh, you know, I'm going to teach, not just talk to or talk at. I'm going to teach. We'll see how that goes. Okay, uh, yeah. But that'll be for everybody that are paid subscribers over at stackinginbox.com. Um, our sponsors, bluegrassbeverages.com. Go over there to get whatever you may need to prepare for the NFL draft. If you want to have your own drafts at the draft, go over to Bluegrass Beverages and get your beer over there. That's the way to do it. The combine is coming up, the underwear Olympics. I am sitting down all weekend to watch a bunch of guys just run laps around a field, it feels like, all day long uh, is what I'm going to be doing. Uh, at least someone from the Titans is doing that because everybody else is leaving to go to a stupid and poorly scheduled groundbreaking uh, ceremony. But we'll talk about that later because it's not that big of a deal. But go to Bluegrass Beverages and get your beer, get your liquor, get your wine. Over 50 years in business, Bluegrass Beverages. Speaking of wine, the NFLPA came out with their uh, players' <laughs> report cards. Um so the players, of course, graded the Tennessee Titans, Tennessee Titans players. And I ask you, Mike, did the sour grapes age like wine as the fa- treated families so poorly they got a D plus? And someone had mentioned that on the radio that you said is just full of sour grapes all around it. But sounds like to me it aged like wine. And that is a double usage tied back into bluegrass beverages. That was a pretty good connection, by the way. It was. It was, it was expertly done. Um, I still think Wesley Woodyard is sour, sour grapes. Sorry. Like, I just am. Uh, so even uh, though there's factual proof no, now. No, I'm, I'm saying there's, there's some truth to what he said. Like, there's zero doubt about it. But I just think him going on the radio and whining about Vrabel, I have a hard time. Because it's the second when time he's, he's asked about it. it, though. So they asked him specifically about it. Right, but I, I'm just saying, like, that's the second time he's done that or brought up these things about the Dean Pease thing. Maybe you have more of an issue with the people interviewing him because they're no, the ones who are putting him in that position to speak honestly. It's it's not that. I, I just think I I think he's gone on there twice. He's whined about Vrabel. He clearly doesn't isn't a huge fan of the guy personally, and I think that probably comes down to the fact that he got benched and then cut under Vrabel 
uh, you know, when basically as soon as Rabel arrived, he moved to, you know, Jayon Brown, uh, you know, kind of more as the, that weak side linebacker that Woodyard had been previously. So like, I don't know. I still think there's sour grapes in there, even if there are some truth, there is some truth in there too. Um, and I've always said that there was likely some truth included in like the, the whole thing about kids not being allowed in the facility. And now we know, you know, that he's making the play. At, at least they're not charging for daycare, like the chargers. Well, yeah. A lot of people. That's why Philip like, Rivers had to leave. He was going to have to file bankruptcy for all those charges for daycare. Exactly. exactly. And, and I'm like, it's one of those things where like everyone, you see the report for your team and you're like, Oh my God, my team's so cheap. I guarantee you could go through like almost every other team's report and be like, Oh my God. Like, the commanders, like, there's that? like sewage spewing out into the locker room. So people shit is coming into the locker room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's run through like, a couple of these things. Uh, the Chiefs. I just wanted to really use my uh, dry age, sour grapes, uh, age like wine line on that. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, so first is the club's accommodations. And as players are designated to sit in the back of the plane, where many players don't fit in the seats while the staff sits in first class. Now, let's talk about this. Because I've been on the team plane twice, one in the Munch era and one in the Wiz era. And both times the staffers or maybe lower level staffers and visitors that are coming, they sit in the back of the plane and they also just throw luggage. They don't put luggage in. The, they used to not put luggage in the cargo hold. They just throw them in the back of the, a couple seats and a couple of rows in the seats and all the players set up in the front coming all the way back. So I guess depend on seniority is where you got to sit. So this is a, this is something under the John Robinson or Vrabel era that got installed because, or maybe Malarkey. I forget that Malarkey's in there. Or did we go to Miami in the Malarkey era? Uh, yeah. It was pretty short. Uh, still, I think, uh, in that in that in that time. Yeah. Uh, the um, but maybe it was installed in the Malarkey era. But this that's something that's relatively new, and that's something that is just insane to me. From being on the team playing, that they, and I just don't envision any team playing to where you would want them to sit in the back. But that's just inc- it explains a lot about their troubles on the on the road recently. Uh, that you know they're having to also have roommates, and I don't think that was the case. Uh, you know, in the few times I've been around players like that, both of them are relatively new. How new I don't know, but those things are relatively new. And I, I would venture a guess that both those things are variable things, not Amy Adams Strunk things. I, I'm not, I don't believe that Amy Adams Strunk was probably going to the travel staff and saying, we've got to save on some of these Marriott uh, expenses. Um, our bill's just too high at the end of the year. We're going to need to get like some of the players to room up together on the road. Like I just don't buy that that was an Amy Adams Strunk directive. I, I think that was likely a variable directive and it was probably more of a hey we're gonna put the rookies together on the road with a young or, or with like another veteran or something or like a younger veteran or something like that to try to like maybe have them be extra accountable you know so they're not like out at 2 a.m or breaking curfew or whatever just trying to minimize headaches with some of the young guys who haven't you know been on the road to Houston before on on a Saturday night, and you know, yeah, I mean, well, Houston is just Rhino a, a mecca of entertainment. Oh, ask James Harden about that. Uh, there, there are things to do in Houston that that young men can find uh, very interesting. So, 
I'll just, I'll just uh, leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Strip clubs. Just say what you're saying. Yeah, Strip yeah. clubs. Listen, uh, they are one of 12 teams that do not that do not provide a family room during games. Uh, and apparently they do not allow children or family members to come into the locker room, which we heard from Wesley Woodyard. Uh, 89% of the players do feel like the locker room is big enough, which is still 17th overall. So it's like, there's probably like how big or, you know, and variations. I don't know how the survey is actually read or presented. If it's like somewhat satisfied, satisfied, not at all satisfied, big enough, somewhat big, you know, whatever. Uh, 87% of the players feel like they have enough room in their individual lockers. Only 67% of the players feel like they have enough hot tub space. 26 overall. So a bunch of these guys are just, you know, sharing hot tubs. Apparently only 78% of players feel like they have enough cold tub space. 24th overall. The players feel that the training staff moderately contributes to their success. 24th overall, which I I think is interesting because you flip it over to the strength coaches. The players feel that the strength coaches significantly contribute to their success. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Frank Piriano the guy that was the head strength and conditioning coach, and he is out of there, even though that they feel that he was, you know, pretty significantly contributed to their success. So that's very, very interesting. Any thoughts on any of those things that I just went through? Um, not really. I mean, I, I, I ultimately think like, like they've they've upgraded a lot of things at St. Thomas Sports Park, and and I'd be interested to know whether they're referring specifically to the locker room at St. Thomas Sports Park or the locker room at the stadium or both. Um, I, I guess would be something I'd really kind of like to see clarification on. Um, I mean, maybe they have more detail in the actual reports that are provided to the team, but um, I, I would say that would be interesting if the if they they had an issue with the size or or you know, quality of the locker room at St. Thomas Sports Park because that's almost brand new. I mean, that's like three or four years old. Um, whereas I'm not surprised if Nissan Stadium's locker rooms are kind of a dump, you know, like you know, the whole stadium yeah. is kind of a dump. Uh, like it's very average um, you know, to below average as far as NFL facilities go. But that's we know that that's not going to last long. So, um, And a new part of the survey, Mike Vrabel, head coach, Amy Adams Drunk, owner, were surveyed. The players feel that Mike Vrabel was somewhat willing to listen to their locker room 19th overall. Uh, he was the 22nd over highest rated NFL head coach. I'm a little surprised by that rating, but it's also like everybody's like, well, it's a B plus, but it's also like, is he the bottom part of the 80? You know, was it like, I guess when we were growing up as 86 or 87 was the lower end of B plus, but either way, all the love that was being told about and shown about Mike Vrabel. And there was, he did get some high remarks in being a clear communicator, but the players feel that Mike Vrabel was only just somewhat willing to listen to the locker room, which I thought was somewhat willing. I thought was very interesting. And I, I wonder what we've heard. And I wonder what that split is, though, right? Because I bet if you're Derrick Henry, if you're Jeffrey Simmons, he probably feels like you're very willing to, like, he's very willing to listen to you. If you're Tier Tart or, like, some of these other guys, Monty Rice, he's probably not super willing to listen to what those guys have to say. So I do think that there's probably a split in that maybe that kind of, because, look, for all of Vrabel, for all of the things I do think Vrabel does well, 
I 100% understand that he is not a personality that is going to fit for everybody because he's extremely, extremely strong personality. Uh, he, he is going to take the piss out of you. And, and that's like his way of showing affection. He's got like that old school kind of mentality, which some people love and some people just do not take to at all. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not surprised that there's split opinions on Vrabel. Uh, but club owner Amy Adams Strunk receives a rating of 8.7 out of 10 from Titans players when considering her willingness to invest in the facility. So 15th overall. So there goes back to your original point about how the, the, the changes are coming. They just have not arrived fully fleshed out yet. When and so for those that want to say that the owner is cheap, here you go. Well, and I'd also say that she's probably getting dinged specifically there because they were playing on turf this year. And and that's something yeah. that is universally come back in all of these NFLPA surveys is that these players hate playing on turfs. I think they said 92% of respondents say they were prefer playing yeah. on grass to turf. Uh, the Titans obviously changed Nissan Stadium from grass to turf. Um, Get used to it. Yeah, and, and it will be the case at the new stadium too. Um, <laughs> But I think that probably factors into her score maybe being a little bit lower than what I would honestly otherwise expect it to be. Because she spent money. And I do hate the narrative that, like, well, Amy Adams Strong is cheap. She's cheap. They've restructured contracts to basically spend, like, quote-unquote, over the cap. Each of the last three years, they've invested a ton of money at St. Thomas Sports Park that we just talked about. They've built out all of the staff for – like the back-end business of the Titans, as well as like, you know, fan engagement and all this other stuff. They've spent a ton of money on all of those areas since she's taken over, well, in addition to building the new stadium. Like, there's right. a lot of money that she's pumping in to this franchise. Um, I just simply do not buy this idea that she's cheap. Uh, I, and we've been on this train for a while now that she, yeah. she is not cheap and she's willing to spend money. And uh, this will take us into comments that have been made at the combine by both Rand Kyle or uh, Calathon. Is that what we're calling him? Uh, oh, Calathon. I can't. I can't. Do uh, the the Benifer, uh, Yeah, I like it. It's a lot better than calling some a grown man Cali. I'll tell you that. It's a couple <laughs> letters away from calling another grown man Daddy, and it is the same thing. It's a terrible nickname. Call him BC. I'm telling you. Callie is ridiculous, and hearing grown men say it, it makes me cringe every time. And reading it is even worse. It is such yeah. a terrible, terrible nickname. Reading okay. it is tough. Reading it is tough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I put out here some common off-season type themes after my instant reactions from the press conferences at the Combine, and I put in here thrifty. And I said, won't be spending just to spend, won't be overpaying. And uh, Puka the Puka the Nomad now, but he's usually Puka Hair. Um, he ha he gets in here and he talks about where are they just not wanting to spend money because of the bonuses and escrow, or he he goes, I thought the family fortunes rebounding at the after pandemic, and I'm like, well, for the the definition of thrifty is being not being cheap, it is being uh, not wasteful with your money, being careful and c calculated with how you spend your money, and. I, I and I think we both know we both just talked about, but I think everybody needs to get out of their mindset that this is a cheap organization. They're just not going to specifically this year. If you expect them to spend 
80 million of the cap if if because I think it's gonna I think their cap space will end up being over 80 million. But if you think they're they're only gonna have like five million in season to play with, I think you're grossly mis misunderstanding the how free agency works, what their approach to free agency works, all that kind of stuff. So like let's let's I don't want to spend too much time on this particular thing because I think this is gonna be something that's better served when we're closer to free agency. But I do just want to kind of say, like, guys, they're not going to go crazy and spend 80. They're not going to spend 90 percent of the the salary cap space because they're specifically talking about in different parts of this. um, Of the, the press conference about having money to operate during the season, to operate late in the summer, but also going to. Probably they want to be top five in cap space next year. Like they're 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 planning ahead, and that's something that I feel like we haven't really had tangible evidence of that the past regimes dating all the way back to Floyd Reese were actually doing. And I I completely believe that that's the right approach too, right? Like I I just don't think, and I know a lot of people will call them cheap regardless if they don't spend all you know, every single dollar that they have available to them in free agency this year, um, you know, but it, there's, as we've already seen, the premium, premium players are not going to make it to the market. So what you end up seeing in free agency mostly is you see teams spending top dollar uh, at these various positions for players that are not elite players, like players that are just good, maybe, maybe not even good, maybe closer to average. NFL starters um you're not getting the the top of the line guys but you still have to pay the top of the line money because look everybody's hungry like if you 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 can look at the list of uh, free agent offensive linemen and realize that there's not a ton of tackles available right and then think about this that there are a ton of teams that are sitting here going we desperately need tackle help um so a guy like Trent Brown, a guy like Michael Onwenu, um, even a guy like Jonah Williams, it's going to make more money than really what they probably if should. A, if even if one of those guys don't even make it, because I like I don't even yeah. think it sounds like to me Elliot Wolf's bringing back on Onwenu. That, that sounds like glad, it's a priority for them. It's, yeah. That sounds like that's a priority for them. So I mean, some of these guys that you're still thinking are going to make it to free agency because remember the Harold Landry extension got done, if I'm not mistaken, the Sunday before free agency opened up, which opens up on a Tuesday. If I'm not, yeah. if I recall correctly, that, that was the timeline. Right. So I mean, we there saw... could be a big difference in what you think is free agency now, to even up to the day before free agency, when they can still get extensions done. Exactly. And you look at corner and you're like, oh, well, LeJarius Sneed, Jalen Johnson, those two guys are gone. Like LeJarius Sneed's been tagged, Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson get tagged. No, he's not going to be tagged. It but sounds like an extension is like going to happen in the Likely. next few days. Um, yeah, it, it sounds like that's already like most of it has been agreed upon. So now you're looking at like the top tier corners are like, uh, you know, Kendall Fuller, Chidobe Awuzie, you know, Stephon Gilmore, guys like that that are not. I mean, look, I think Kendall Fuller is a really good player, so like I'll set him aside, and I think Awuzie uh, has some ability too, but. Those are good corners. They're not great corners, but you're going to have to pay them like they're great corners to get them because everybody's going to want them. The Titans need two corners, really, in free agency that, that can start for them this year. 
Uh, they're you're looking not... to add playmakers on both sides of the ball, yeah. which I feel like wide receiver got the uh, got the bulk of the spotlight yesterday. Yeah. But there's many times where Rand Carthon said, we're looking at playmakers on both sides of the ball. And he's specifically talking about cornerbacks, which mm-hmm. we know they desperately need, and wide receivers, which we both, which we know. So, like, people really need to start upping the importance of cornerback and put that on their radar outside of just free agency. So, yeah. just um, just a little uh, aside there. And, and, yeah, and I do think, getting back to the point about spending, I think they're going to spend reasonably. Um, I don't think they're going to blow the the whole you know, 80 million this year. And it's smart because they, they're not in a one year. We've got to go for the Super Bowl this year kind of window anymore like that. That was the way that they things were in 2021, you know, and, and I thought that was appropriate then because that team was close um, and, and trying to go get a Julio Jones made sense at that point. Um, it doesn't make sense now. Like if you look up and down this roster, like regardless of how optimistic you are about, you know, certain guys on it, this roster is just chock full of holes right now. Um, like I said in my piece for Paul Karski last week, uh, com last week, they've got to find like 12 starters like, like that are not on the roster That's right being now. being generous, I feel like. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, like a minimum of 12 starters right now. Um, the odds of them hitting – uh, because, I mean, that's going to be draft picks and free agency. The odds of them hitting on 12 guys to the point where we're like, this is a really good roster, is like zero. It's just not going to happen. They're going to miss on some guys in free agency. Uh, they're going to miss on some guys in the draft. Uh, it, it happens all you know, pretty much every year to every team. So I think we have to look at this realistically as this is not a team that's built for 2024. This is a team that's built to improve in 2024. Um, maybe show some signs of life, you know, see what they've got in Will Levis, uh, see what you've got in Tajay Spears, that kind of thing. Um, and then you hope that maybe by 2025, 2026, you're ready to contend again. And then by that point, you've got some free agent hits that, you know, are under contract. You've got some draft picks coming up that are, you know, young stars, hopefully. There's a difference between building a competitive roster and a contending roster. Right. You could be competitive and not contenders. And I think that's what the Titans are aiming for. And if they end up being contenders because Will Levis takes this giant Josh Allen-like leap, that's all gravy because then they could build upon that in the next year because they have the salary cap space. So do not expect to spend everything. And I tell you, a guy speaking of free agents and stuff like that, I'm even more convicted that Derrick Henry is not coming back. Okay. And and I think I think Rand Carth I think Bill Callahan took the coach like approach while Rand Carthon took the pretty pretty much hard stance and basically said, eh, he's not coming back. Here's what they said. On if there's potential to bring Derrick Henry back and if there has been any further conversation, is what Rand Carthon said. Derek Henry and I had a good con- conversation on the way out, and he knows where we are, and we know where he is. Uh, okay, <laughs> I guess he's in Dallas, probably. Uh, I think you guys that have been around a year know that we don't really talk about players, contract status, and public, but we'll be well-positioned to do whatever we need to do. However, when those conversations will need to be had, we'll have them with Derek and his team. He goes on to say, on how much he has to weigh the fan aspect of Derrick Henry's decision to the team development aspect. It weighs, because I hear that question around town a lot, which we've already heard this story once, 
people will come and the first thing I say is, hey, we're not going to lose Derrick Henry, are we? And I think I've probably, in my 12 months on the job, I've gotten more Derrick Henry questions than anything. Uh, so I understand that bit piece of it too. But I this is the most important part of this whole thing. But I have a responsibility to build this team long-term. And like I said, we'll cross that bridge with Derrick and his team when we get there. Um, Callahan went on to say, yeah, I've reached out to Derrick Henry. I know Justin Otten, J.O., has reached out. See, J.O., great use of a nickname. That's why I like B.C. J.O., great use of a nickname. Has reached out as well, but he's going through. He was at the Pro Bowl. I didn't want to bother him. That's a, There's a lot of stuff going on in the Super Bowl, but I think that there's a great relationship with him and the organization that I know he's always going to have. The Titans in his heart. So whatever that looks like moving forward, we'll keep working through it. But I know what he means to the city and to the team, and I'm looking forward to get to know him. This comes off the hills of Brian Callahan talking about um, talking about uh, the value of the running back and how like you need a, kind of a different kinds of running backs, this and that. But he basically described the Derrick Henry running back as the guy that you just need to get you know two yards. So. You don't pay Derrick Henry to just get two yards. And no. so all this stuff together, it's 0% chance he's coming back. I like, I'm just, I'm even more staunch in that belief. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Cause I, I just, you know, it doesn't make sense to me from either side. And I've kind of been on this for a while now. Like, I mean, the Titans, like we said, they're not going to try to, I, I'll say the one side that it makes sense from the Titans angle is the, just the sentimental angle, which I think even uh, Carthon mentioned, you know, that there's some sentimental stuff with Henry there. And it, it the only reason to bring him back is that you don't want to see him go to play in another uniform and you want to see him get 100 touchdowns and 10,000 yards in Nissan Stadium this fall. It's one of probably the few bright spots, if we're being honest, of what the, that team's probably going to produce in 2024. Um, oh, I disagree. I, I mean, no. I think that's. The, I mean, there's going to be there's going to be playmaking wide receivers are going to be I, here. I, I think. Well, I think there's going to be moments, but I, I don't think they're going to have like a huge amount of success. So I'm saying, like, if you want to sell yeah. something to the fans, you know, I think you sell you sell the playmaking. Nobody's sure. coming to those games with if no you, parking anyway. So if you draft well it, well, true. If, if you draft a uh, receiver at seven, you're going to sell the hell out of that receiver, right? Uh, to the yeah. fan base, but one of the other things that you can sell to the fan base is, hey, come watch uh, Derrick Henry get, you know, his 100th NFL rushing touchdown. Come watch Derrick Henry get, you know, break Eddie George's franchise rushing record. Um, those things I think you could sell. But from a, like, if you're trying to build a, a Super Bowl champion in 2025 or 2026 or whatever down the road here, there's it makes no sense to bring Derrick Henry back. He's going to do nothing but eat up money um take away carries going to and, dallas let's just call it he's going to ball going to dallas he's going to ball no he's going to dallas and here's why he's going to dallas is because he lives in dallas they're going to offer him a lot of money because they're not paying bringing back tony pollard it is it is it is dallas i can uh, see it i'm dallas. fairly convinced now that it's like i would say it's 60 percent dallas 40 percent the ravens and 10 women yeah, thirty percent the Ravens and ten percent um, the Chargers. I'm throwing the Chargers in there. I, I think the people that bring up the Buffalo Bills are yeah. wasting their fucking mental so 
you know, IQ over there, mental so. energy on something that doesn't fucking make sense. And I, I could see, I could see Jerry becoming enamored with the idea of uh, getting. Well, I think he's Henry already after, enamored after he, uh, you know, took Ezekiel Elliott in that draft, and, and probably should have taken Derrick Henry, um, you know, instead. I could see him becoming enamored with that idea of like getting Derrick yeah. Henry in a Cowboys uniform and all that. So, yeah, I mean, like we said last week, he's already said he doesn't want to be here in so many words. Yeah. The Tennessee Titans in so many actions have shown that he, they don't want him here. And listen, Tajay Spears, he's made of the right shit. And that's all that matters. He's made that, of the right that's shit. That's all that I love matters. that quote. Made of the right shit. Loved it. Uh, kept telling everybody that for uh, ever since he got drafted. But it's glad to know that everybody has come around to my way of thinking. Really appreciate always being right. Um, speaking of that, I want to talk about this Traylon Burks stuff because this Traylon Burks stuff has me a little confused because they talk about they're going to be aggressive in attacking the wide receiver position, but they keep bringing up developing Traylon Burks. Um, and, and, and I think people are thinking they're comparing him to Jamar Chase. I don't know what the point of bringing up Jamar Chase was because Jamar Chase was like really awesome year one and Traylon Burks were hoping that he's just for the love of God, just be good in, <laughs> in year three. Uh, but uh, there was a comment that I want to get your thoughts on throughout the, all this. So we could talk a little bit about Traylon Burks. I don't, I don't think he's really worth a lot of time about when you're talking about the wide receiver position for the Tennessee Titans, but yeah, here's this quote from Ramon Foster. Now this is just the quote that the, the Ramon Kalen will show put up on Twitter. So if there's more to the quote, I will be honest. I do. I did not listen to it this morning. I just saw the tweet. So if you have a complaint about the context that we're about to discuss this, uh, please, uh, whoever their social media manager is, just email them. Okay. Traylon <laughs> Burks hasn't had a lot of guidance from older guys in the Titans wide receiver room. That room has been full of guys trying to prove themselves. So Robert Woods didn't exist. Chris Moore and DeAndre Hopkins don't exist either. Like what, where, where is this idea that there hasn't been at least a, somewhat of a veteran presence in that room? Cause that's also discounting Chris Conley was there uh, at some yeah, point, you I'm know, through all that. Chris I mean, I mean, I get that they're not like great veterans, but they're at least veterans that can I, do something. I think Woods and Hopkins are, Woods and Hopkins are all you need. I mean, like both those guys are, have been super, you know, it, successful at points in their careers um and are generally considered to be like good locker room guys right i mean i think hopkins has you know gotten rave reviews for his presence in the titans locker room uh during his time here so i yeah i don't know where the idea that burks just hasn't had enough you know mentors mentorship um comes in burks just hasn't been healthy for one and hasn't been productive too i mean he just hasn't done it um I look, they they have to try to make stuff work with Traylon Burks because look, he's under contract. You can't cut him. They you can't have to. Well, unless or is you it can just find like a, trade a luxury partner. that they do. Unless you can try to find a trade partner that you can dump him on for a you know day three. I, I mean, it sounds like to me that they're doing what I have begged him not them not to do. Or they're doing what I begged them to do, and and that is go into this offseason with with any uh, with any hope 
that Traylon Burks is a big part of their plans in the future. Now, if he turns into something that's different, you're playing with house money. But neither of these guys drafted Traylon Burks. They were not in the room to trade away A.J. Brown. And it sounds like to me they're looking to attack either in this draft and on top of free agency, bringing in two to three wide receivers on top of DeAndre Hopkins. And that is the way they should go about it. And that's why I've been trying to explain on various different shows and articles and tweets is that like, it's house money. It's like Malik Willis, right? Like when we, they drafted Malik Willis is like, if he's a bust, he's a bust. doesn't really matter. They're playing with house money. Traylon Burks at this point, we just have to forget that he was a first round pick because the GM and the head coach who were there involved in that process are no longer here. These guys are not invested in him. If he turns into a, if he takes the training, because right now, Rand Carthon did say something that piqued my interest. is like, oh, he's training with DeAndre Hopkins and other veterans learning to be what it is to be a pro. Which I guess the coaches didn't coach him to do any of that. I I, I don't know. Yeah. But e- either way. Uh, I think it's either great way, that he's doing it, but like, yeah. You can't, I think there's going to be two or three wide receivers that are brought in with the expectation that they're going to be ahead of Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips and whoever else may be on the back end of the roster, Kiaris Jackson or Treshawn Harrison or whatever. I think I think I think they're pushing these guys out in the wide receiver room because they know that they can't be depended upon. And that is the proper way to build a roster. Am yeah, I I completely agree with that. I, I think and it's just like the Caleb Farley situation too, right? Like, I mean, Caleb Farley, he yes, he is on the roster. No, you are not counting on anything from him. Like, uh, right. you know, you pretend like he's not there. And if he maybe turns into something that's super, you know, great. But, uh, yeah, you pretend like he's not even there. I, I don't think Burks may be quite that extreme, but you almost have to treat it the same way um, because he's shown you nothing that that he can be a top three wide receiver on a good offense and be productive and stay on the field. They're putting and the onus it. on him. Right. Like, this is what it sounds like to me. The onus, if you guys want Traylon Burks to be a first round draft pick wide receiver, that is something he's going to have to do it. We're done holding his hand. And that's what it kind of sounds like to me. And and I also think, and I I think they would admit this too, um, they have to get faster at wide receiver. Like, they just do. Um, And look, 40 times aren't everything, as we'll talk about here momentarily, I'm sure. but if you look at the 40 times for the for everyone who caught a pass from uh, Will Levis or Ryan Tannehill last year, do you know who the fastest 40 time was that caught a pass from Will Levis or Ryan Tannehill in 2023? Ooh, uh, and just wide receivers? Uh, uh, pass catchers. Anybody who caught a pass. Chig would probably be the fastest? Chig at 4.52. Yeah. yeah. Fastest yeah. one. Everyone else, <laughs> yeah. 4.55 five, five or above. Which is was Taji Spears? Good. He was he four five five or above, yeah, or are you not five. counting them? Yeah, he was four five five. Um, yeah. So okay. yeah, not it's just not a fast bunch, right? Like we know that, and and I know like hey, I've talked about Traylon Burks. He has some build up speed. Like when he gets to top speed, he can really go. But like he doesn't have the the acceleration and what we'll talk about, uh, you know, as well soon. The ten yard split, things like that, like they need some guys that can get off the ball and be gone, right? Like they need that kind of sudden speed. Because this question kind of got thrown out there by um, 
I'm going to butcher his name, and I don't think I can find his name real quick, but B-Will-F-T-V-T-T-V or something like that. But he talked about maybe that they were misusing Burks by not you know, putting him in the slot more. Burks played a lot of, in the slot. Could he be a big slot like Boyd? And I think this is a, a good comparison to make in the sense that Maybe his career, the best shot at his career taking off is being a Boyd-like wide receiver. Being salvaged, I guess, would be a better way. But but being a Boyd-like wide receiver, this team does like big slots. Um, I mean, is there a path that maybe that this that is the that is the most clear and obvious path to redemption for Traylon Burks is for them to convert him into a a slot, a big slot receiver. Yeah, um, I think there's some valid point to be made there. Uh, that's what he did at Arkansas. Um, you know, to to a large degree, I think over eighty percent of his snaps were in the slot at Arkansas. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I still think at the end of the day, part of Traylon Burks' problem is just confidence. Like he. he ball hits him in the face mask and he drops it or or you know that will levis drops a, a dime and in, into his arms you know on a deep ball and it just goes right to the ground like the being in the slot isn't going to fix that um so i think a lot of it is between his his ears really um but i you know if they want to try him in the slot a little bit more i think part of the problem runs into that like I think DeAndre Hopkins kind of falls into that role too, that like he might be better at the slot at this point in his career too. I think he can play outside, but uh, if you're asking me what he would be in an ideal situation, I think maybe maybe getting him in the slot would make him the most productive version of himself. So you can't have like uh, you know, your whole team made out of guys that really like need to be in the slot. <laughs> you got to have some guys that can win on the outside, which is – Ultimately, Callahan's priority, and I think what they're going to attack aggressively in the draft yeah. and free agency. Okay, so we earlier we talked about the that we're both pretty convinced that zero percent chance Derrick Henry's back based on the words and the actions of other people, right? And the decision makers. So I got. I'm a little. I don't know if you saw my my social post last night. Um, maybe this, but. I'm a little concerned that Andre Dillard's going to still be on this team. Uh, I did see that. I did see that. And he- here's 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 why. On if he expects Andre Dillard to be one of the guys to get an opportunity to w- work with Bill Callahan. Well, again, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Just staying consistent about keeping family business in house. I think it's documented. Dre didn't play as well as he probably would have wanted, or the way we wanted. But nonetheless, he's still a talented guy that has some physical traits that you just can't find. Now, I, here's where I'm at on this. I think that they're in the midst of discussing him taking a pay cut or restructuring his contract in some way for him to have the chance that uh, a contract that reflects him having the chance to earn a starting job. Because if you, if you wait a couple of days after free agency begins, he gets $3 million guaranteed. Right. Okay, and that then affects your post June cut designations because that three million is not considered. I don't, from what I can tell, is not calculated in Spotrax or over the caps post June cap uh, cut. 
because that's guaranteed. So that would be dead money that's not being accounted for yet. Yeah, because technically they um, could cut him with a post June one designation right now, and that would now, not be yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. So I pair that with everything they've talked about Bill Callahan being able to take guys with physical traits. He's a first round talent. Okay. Now we know, and because I kind of, I think there's a difference between. Jeff Stoutland got the best out of out of Andre Dillard. And it was pretty good when he was in Philadelphia. But the problem was is that someone came along that was better while he was injured and he couldn't come back and reclaim that. And he was also cheaper. So they tried to do the smart thing and say, hey, we have this piece. Let's try to trade him. Couldn't trade him. Okay, let's just he'll just hit free agency then. Bill Callahan is probably the only guy that could probably do something with Andre Dillard like Jeff Stoutland. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they're keeping him on to be a starter, but his cap hits have already been factored into all the salary cap numbers you see. I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Callahan came in and said, okay, I need to interview him. I need to talk to him, which is what he's doing this week, right? None of the position coaches came to the combine. They're handling their biz, their business over at the facilities. I, I wonder... If there is an avenue where, A, they just let the contract ride because Bill Callahan believes in them, but it may not, maybe they're just willing to pay that much for depth because they're already paying it and they already got the cap space to do other stuff, or if they're restructuring it. But it's, I'm like at 15% chance on all that stuff. Like, I still think 85% chance this guy's not on the roster, but these the, the, the comments yesterday did not, did not make me more cemented in my feeling about Andre Dillard. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, that did raise my eyebrow a little bit when. Oh when man, got I was hoping you would be. Like, you'd say no. You're an idiot, Zach. You're overreacting. Um, <laughs> but I mean, look, as bad as Andre Dillard was, I mean, we're talking about three million dollars, I think, in cap savings if they cut him. It, just like a straight cut, not a post June yeah. one. I think if you do post June one, it's like six or seven. They don't need the money necessarily. Um, now you could argue that like okay he's not valuable he's not as valuable as three million dollars is and i would agree with that um yeah but i don't know i i I do think that there's a non-zero chance because i think there's also this angle right the roster bonus thing does come into effect but otherwise you could take him into camp see if he can get anywhere with Bill Callahan working with him. And if he's at the end of the camp and you want to cut him, you can still cut him and save money, right? Like, I mean, you can still do that later if you don't want him taking up the roster. Yeah, you can still get $3 million over the summer pretty easy, right? I mean, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, so it's like, do you need the $3 million right now or is it worth deferring the $3 million to wait and see if he can do anything with him because i do agree like andre dillard just as a professional athlete is a really good athlete i mean he's super athletic we saw it at at times last year you know when he'd get out in space on some of those blocks and and things like that and you can see the athleticism and you're like okay yeah there there is something there with that stuff i I think he was a mess 
last season in pass protection, obviously. Um, and, and that's a technique thing. Very I also few people think, weren't uh, very few people weren't a mess at pass protection. Well, that's year. true. But yeah, he was <laughs> particularly bad. Um, yeah, it, was, it was very, and, very, very bad. And it's, but uh, the bigger thing to me with Andre Dillard, more so than just the technique, which I do think Bill Callahan, look, that's what he's here to do. He's here to help teach the technique and improve it and all that stuff. And I think that's largely something that can be improved um, for, for NFL offensive linemen. Um, But the problem with me with Dillard is that I just don't think he's got any dog in him. Like none. Like I think he is soft. I think he is not. It, he does not have the mentality to play left tackle in the NFL. And I just think that that's something that Bill Callahan's not going to be able to do it to like instill in him at 28 years old. I just don't think that's going to happen. So um, I still hope they move on from him, but yeah, I'm a little concerned that maybe they, do. <laughs> they won't. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, I think it's a, a weirdly real possibility, but I do think that it's like got a summer deadline. I think it's got like, okay, well we could cut him before camp and okay. We've seen enough or something like that. Cause uh, um, it, it really just depends what can, can Bill Callahan get whatever Stoutland got out of him? Yes. But can Andre Dillard do whatever he was doing up in Philadelphia is the bigger question in my mind. And you don't really know what that is until you get you get further in. And really, I mean, your left tackle options that the Cincinnati Bengals have rolled with, they've all been not as bad as Dillard, but they've all been in situations where they have allowed as much pressures as Dillard. <laughs> and yeah. they're less athletic, right? I mean, Jonah Williams is less athletic than Andre Dillard, so I don't know. Yeah. At the end of the day, more offensive linemen that have NFL experience, the better. And he's a guy that you kind of just, I feel like he's just a guy they're going to keep around for and maybe just at the max, maybe he does play this year, but at the very least to keep him around as a camp body and then they'll, they'll, they'll get rid of him, you know, at some point. Um, this whole, I, I, I think my issue with Brian Callahan Rand Carthon and Chad Brinker leaving the combine early is that why did the Tennessee Titans decision makers that are in charge of this, which I would assume would be Chad Brinker, Burke Nihill and Amy Adams drunk. Why would they schedule this up on February 29th during the combine? That's my biggest issue. I don't care that they're not there, but my biggest issue is that what the fuck? Like, well, that is just stupid decision-making. It's incredibly dumb. Could they not have, like, what is the pressing issue that they could have not have done it last week or next week, right? Like, it had to be done the week of the combine, right in the middle of the combine. Like, I don't, I really, honest to God, I would, I, I feel like the organization owes us an explanation as to why this had to be done in the middle of the combine. Because otherwise, like, yeah, why they're gonna you go be Monday in or Nashville. Tuesday. Yeah, what? why oh, yeah, on Thursday? Or, or yeah, or yeah, before he has to leave to go to the comp, like whatever, you know. And aren't we a society that is done with groundbreaking ceremonies? Yes. Like who sure. who is this groundbreaking ceremony benefiting other than getting some pictures holding a shovel, which you could just do uh, at any point in time? Okay, but I, I will say this. I, I know somebody that's working on the stadium project personally. Um, it's a really cool thing for them, right? For the people that are working on the project 
and to be able to get that picture taken and have that like as a personal thing. You can just do it anytime. They're going to be there working on the project. I mean, it's not like they're going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get get it. I get that. But, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things that like – My my thing is just the scheduling of it. It's just silly. Now, the uh, the aspect of like, oh, you got to be in the room with a person or whatever. I mean, like Mike Vrabel and John Robinson were in the room with Isaiah Wilson, said that was the one of the reasons they – they drafted him was because oh man that that in person meeting was so great. In person meetings can tell you something, but they can also tell you a whole lot of nothing because people are the players are now trained by agents to lie. They are trained liars. It's really hard. You have to be really good to suss it out. And here's and, the thing. And Anthony Robinson's going to be Robinson's there. still going to be there. Yeah, yeah. And he's the so head like of they're going to be on a Zoom. Anthony Robinson for those who are the body uh, language police. Like, oh, you could tell a lot more by, you know, looking at someone's how, eyes. It's not like these fucking guys firm, are going to be blindfolded, by the way. He, he can they're, get a the firm handshake, uh, you know, gauge <laughs> out there and, and report back to Rand on the firmness of each offensive lineman's handshake. But yeah. Anthony Robinson, who is at the Senior Bowl, is here at the Combine, and he is the director of college scouting and college personnel and all that kind of stuff. He's the guy that needs to be there anyway and you can get what you need done over virtual in these 20 minute interviews and there's 48 of them pick whichever 48 players you want to throw darts at and go look at and then you've got your 30 day pro days that you're going to spend more time with people you got your local days where you can maneuver stuff around and break those rules like that because there's a lot of players i think if you remember i think if you're born here you count as local if i'm not mistaken you need to go yeah, back and look at that. Yeah. If you were born here and went to high school here, I think that actually counts as locals. There's a yeah. lot of people in this draft class that are that are from Tennessee right now. Uh, but I'll have to go back and look at that. Don't quote me on that. But I just I, I think the overarching theme of it all, I don't agree that's a big nothing but I think it's just it's another baffling decision. It's like when they made this the big deal about the big announcement uh, and blah, 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 blah. And it was just like the Nissan naming rights, which everybody yeah. knew about a couple of, you know, we got to work on this. Got to work on this. Well, uh, I think the, the scheduling ahead. is is baffling, but I do think that there's like, I don't know. I feel like it's interesting that he skips the senior bowl, which is a big event. Um, and then he skips the combine too, like, because I kind of thought, well, he's not going to the Senior Bowl because he's going to see these guys in a few weeks at the Combine, and he can talk to them then anyways and do the round-robin thing and get all the like little 15-minute interview sessions like they do at the Senior Bowl anyways. He can do that at the Combine. What's the point of doing it twice in a span of two weeks, right? But for him not to be there for either event is a little odd to me. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like it, it may not matter at all. And like we just said, we'll say Robinson's going to be there. You know that they're also kind of not in this, all these, these trade discussions that are going to be happening. Yeah. Yeah. Usually happens here. That's just something. It's not necessarily that he couldn't still be in on trade discussions away, but it is sure a lot easier to do it when you're there. Cause there have been trades have been done just like, because they're next door to each other. Exactly. Put out on your it's, radar, you T. Higgins, uh, Legarius Sneed, trade conspiracy theorists. Can we put all that shit away, by the way? Like, this team has no business it. trading for anyone. They should not be Done. trading picks for any players. They should be trying to offload trade, trade. Pick players yes. for picks, like Traylon Burks, like Malik Willis, like guys that they have no use for anymore. 
they should be trying to offload them for more picks. They should not be trading any picks for players because that is not the point in the build that they are at. They are in the ground level of rebuilding this thing from the ashes right now. And this is uh, this is not the time to go send out more draft picks, which is their biggest problem is that they don't have any young stars on the roster right now, besides possibly these guys they drafted last year that we don't really know for sure about yet. And they need more of those guys. You don't want to send away picks for older players who are like win-now guys on a shitty roster. Like It makes zero sense. So, no, the Titans should not trade for him. Insert whatever player you want. Yeah. Here. And Deagle, they they literally, I think at the Combine, you were still meeting people in person, and then everything else after the Combine was done in Zoom. Um, so they did actually talk to Isaiah Wilson because of Vrabel tells a story about him walking into the room, yeah, uh, the yeah, meeting yeah. room. So I mean, they 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 loved the shit out of Isaiah Wilson's combine interview. Okay, um, let's we'll have more time to talk about this particular subject. But percentage chance, where are you at on number seven overall pick? Where it's offensive lineman, wide receiver, other position, trade back four four options. What's your percentage chances? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to put, I think the most likely options are. Why just rank them in order? Let's just do that. Okay. I'll say one most likely, most likely wide receiver. Second, most likely trade back. Third, most likely offensive line. Fourth, most likely anything else. I agree. I'm, I'm in full, full lockstep there. Uh, Six teams will submit a proposal to push the NFL trade deadline back two weeks. Early returns are owners and GMs are split on it. Tanking is a concern, but they're talking about pushing it back from week eight to week tw- week 10. I'm all for it. What about you? Yeah, I'm for it. I, I think, I mean, teams aren't going to tank in the NFL. It's just not a thing that can really happen. I mean, if the, if a, like the team's not going to trade away their starting quarterback and like their entire offensive line, you know, or anything like that, I mean, you might get, you might get a couple more trades. It's a good thing to get more trades, I think. Um, okay. There was one other thing. Oh, I want to talk about your, uh, let me pull up your article here. I got it right here. Okay. I, I want to talk about just a, some of the names that okay. you have on, cause I want to give away the everything, but wide receiver, tell the people I'm a 10 yard split guy yeah. and a, um, shuttle guy, vertical and broad. Yeah. I'm everything, but the actual 40 yard dash bench press, and 20-yard split. I think the 10-yard split's more important than the 20-yard split. Where are you at? What What is the two things that people need to be looking at coming from the combine? So I think it varies by position. For wide receiver. For, yeah, for wide receiver, I would say 10-yard split to me is is the biggest thing. And then, you know, I would go probably vertical jump after that. Uh, you know, PFF did a, a really good study, which I linked in my piece, that actually ran like regression analysis on the different combine measurables versus their, you know, war data wins above replacement player. Um, and they, uh, they came up with the, the most correlated for receivers being mm-hmm. hand size, which was yeah. interesting. Makes, it sense. makes a little bit of sense. Uh, 10 yard split arm length and vertical jump. So yeah, those are statistically the most correlated. Um, and 40 yard dash doesn't really matter. Now, in a 40 yard dash, I think people talk about it mostly because that's the number that most people know. Like, what's a good 40 time? 
Um, I think all these other drills, the people are less familiar with what good times actually are. So they just get, don't, they don't get discussed as much. Cause if you say someone ran a four, two, four 40, everyone knows what that means. That guy's fast as shit, you know, like, um, versus like, if I say, oh man, that guy had a one, five, five, 10 yard split. Nobody really knows. Like, uh, is that good? Is that bad? Is that the average, which by the way, it's like average, um, like it's just harder it's a harder thing to like wrap your mind around instantly so but i I will say 40 time completely overblown even though it'll be the most discussed thing all week um for every position group um but just know that it really does not correlate to wide receiver success in any meaningful way uh troy flank franklin malachi corley ryan flournoy uh guys that we have all talked about in various podcasts and twits tweets and yeah. stuff, but a guy that I keeps his name keeps popping up. He who doesn't have the production that you're mm-hmm. looking for, but he has the size and the athleticism, and he's a day three pick. Where on day three, I think the combine will determine. But Bub means yeah. uh, wide receiver out of pit. Um, where are you at on taking a? He's got a better career than Racy McMath, but a guy that is big, tall, and athletic who doesn't have production. Like, is that the best use of a draft pick? Is it okay if it's in the seventh round? And then is everybody just going to expect, you know, him to be, you know, wide receiver one next year because that's how (laughs) Tennessee Titans fans are. I mean, like, where are your thoughts on a a prospect like Bub Means? Yeah, I think he's definitely a day three guy for me. Like, the production isn't isn't big. Now, I do think there's – a reason for him with, with having lower production, he started his career as a defensive back for Tennessee, um, which was originally where he started. And then I think he went to Louisiana Tech, converted to wide receiver, and then ended up in Pitt. Uh, or Pitt, I think he produced. He had like 700 yards and like four or five touchdowns last year. So it wasn't like terrible production, but also not like, oh, wow, you know, obviously elite, you know, focal point of the offense kind of guy. So I think he's worth the flyer. Um Although, to, you know, if I'm being honest, I'm trying to remember the last guy that was like a big size speed freak dude that didn't have college production who panned out as a wide receiver at the pro level. And I can't put a finger on a guy that fits that profile. I feel like it, pretty much every receiver that hits at the NFL level produced in college. Um, so I don't mind him as like a dart throw kind of guy in the the late rounds, but um yeah, I'm not I'm not super high on him being like a immediate contributor or or even like a long-term success. I was very surprised to see PFF study. I'm not surprised that it had bench press 40 time and vertical jump because obviously arm size being that they're typically their arm size is typically longer than most positions that it is a lot it's a big distance, right? right. You got your wingspan and your arms, it's a big distance going up and down. And keeping that on there, and of course the pounds, and it shows your strength, being able to push back on a player. Yeah. But the 40-time vertical jump, not too surprised. But I am surprised that the 20-yard shuttle did not make it into the top three. Little surprised by that because Josh Norris is a big proponent and has data that backs up that it is a pretty important thing. Now, I don't know where it was on the length, but I was very on the on the list, but I was very surprised that it didn't make top three. Uh, it was actually, think, believe it or not, it was actually negatively correlated. The short shuttle was. Well, you, you have the Josh Norris here, uh, twenty yard shuttle right here. I just scrolled well, down. Yeah, yeah, on the uh, for interior offensive lineman. Yeah, his his list gotcha. uh, deal there. 
Um, oh, is it is, only interior offensive linemen? Yeah, it is for for specifically interior offensive linemen um, on that that specific list where he has gone back and I think yeah this was a tweet from last year so this doesn't have no he had Andre Dillard on there um oh did he oh maybe it's all offensive linemen then okay okay so yeah it is Abraham Lucas is on there too okay so so any offensive linemen um but I I do say I do I guess generally contribute or tribute um those measurables more so to the interior guys than the tackles um although i think it it matters for both i just think for an interior offensive lineman if you're doing a really if you're doing a really like quick short shuttle i'm very interested um so he's he went back and did a study i think his number was since 2010 28 offensive linemen recording a 447 or quicker uh short shuttle 24 were drafted those 24 went on to start 84 percent of their nfl games and th- these are all over different rounds. And he's yeah. got some late round guys like Charles Leno, who has turned out to be a big time find um, in the seventh round, who was one of these guys off of this list. He, he kind of calls it like a, a money ball kind of uh, approach for, for offensive line play anyway. So I think there's some interesting things like that, that, that are well worth keeping an eye on this weekend as we start to get combine data out. But, yeah, you all you and I, and I think RAS matters at like certain positions. Like I think RAS matters a lot for offensive tackles. I think it matters a lot. For I, I think it matters a lot for for this regime and decision makers based on the information yeah. I've gathered and looked at the data. RAS is super important for cornerbacks, and that's the next thing I want to talk to you because you have Cam Hart on here. Another guy's Max Melton for me. Uh, Quinion yeah. Mitchell, Nate Wiggins, those are both guys that are going to test out of this okay. world. But RAS, vertical jump, I agree. 10-yard splits, I agree. Weight, I agree. Uh, all those things I value more than 40-yard dash, and I think all those things. The the weight is weird for for these positions because when you do a standard deviation on weight and try to see how much it correlates, it doesn't really work out. But you you look at it, and you're like, well, you can't be too fat and you can't be too light at certain positions. Yeah. Now, there are exceptions to every rule. Manuel Forbes would be an exception last year for the weight, Devontae Smith for the wide receiver. But for the most part, you can't be you can't be both of those things. Yeah. But I am with you. I am so excited to see what Cam Hart does. He was so impressive at the senior bowl. I really like his tape, but I am ready to see what he does athletically. I think him, Jarvis Brownlee Jr. And uh, Max Melton are guys that yeah. Tennessee Titans fans should fall in love with. Those are like Max Melton is probably my draft crush, but I don't think he's going to be on the Tennessee Titans. But he is a guy that his interviews and his tape and the way that he interacts on the on the field when nobody is watching, fucking amazing. Yeah, I yeah. really love me some Max Melton, but I just wanted to point that out. Uh, you have Edge Rusher on here, and I think everybody, I think we've talked about Edge Rusher over the years because it always feels like a need. So I kind of want to just skip over it. But name some prospects that maybe you didn't name or that were on the outside looking in when you were making this list. From give me your three guys that you did not write about here in your piece. Three guys. Just, just guys. for the just for the edge rushers. No, any any position. You can go, oh, you can go kicker if you want to. Um, let me think. Let me think. Um, the uh, linebacker, I'm blanking on his name now from North Carolina State. Um, 
what's it? Peyton, uh, Peyton Wil- Wilson. Peyton Wilson. That's right. He's going to test like insane. Um, I'm 100% confident of that. I, you know, inside linebacker is one of those things where like, it's a massive need for the Titans currently. Um, although it's not a position of like huge value. And I think that the, you know, free agent class is pretty good um, for that, that group. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't, I think he's going to end up going too early for the Titans to really look at taking him because I, you know, unless they trade back and accumulate some extra day two picks or something along those lines, which entirely possible. Um, but Peyton Wilson is one that I'm interested to see test. Uh, Braylon Allen um, from Wisconsin is a guy I'm interested to see test. I mean, like huge running back. Um, interested to see where he's at athletically. I'm not. He's not a guy I'm necessarily expecting to blow it out of the water um, for the combine, but uh, you know. I, I am intrigued to see where that falls. Um, and then another one, let's see. Let me think. Because um, so many guys are not testing. Um, I don't know. What, what are, what's your list? Give me a few of, of yours while I think about it. I'm that. interested to see what Tavondre Sweat weighs. And if he doesn't weigh, I'm highly interested in yeah. his reasoning behind that. Because right now, I don't take it for what it's worth, but he is falling in mock drafts. He's like there in the fourth round. I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking take me some Tavondre sweat in the fourth round. Are you guys insane? Um, but I'm very interested in, in seeing that, that whole situation scenario yeah. play out because it's like the opposite of Bryce young, right? Like Bryce young didn't weigh or whatever. And uh, everybody was like all upset. And now you've got like, you know, a guy that could weigh as much as five Bryce Young's not weighing. It's very interesting because <laughs> he didn't weigh at the Senior Bowl either. Um, interested to see what uh, Troy Fatanu, uh, his measurements, his athletic ability. Yeah. Um, uh, Greg Cassell was a big um, proponent of Troy Fatanu. Fatanu, I'm, I'm still learning his name. And also Talisi Fuaga. I'm interested to see how fast a guy that size can move. And yeah. again, for what it's worth, Greg Cosell today, I, I caught him on the radio on Buck's show, and he said he's a guy that I would not hesitate putting at left tackle. Just something to consider when you're thinking about tradeback scenarios. Fuaga could be a guy that this team could and should fall in love with. I really like Fuaga. So just three guys right there. There's a lot of guys. I, I like the combine. I joke about that's combine uh, the underwear Olympics, but I do enjoy seeing like who do I need to go back and watch tape on or who do I need to start watching tape on? Because the combine kind of helps with that for, for us observers, but you know, for the, for the NFL, it doesn't mean too much, but I just, I always like just, just watching. And I did mention for uh, in my piece, um, that he had what he measured at the uh, senior bowl, 33 and three eighths arms, which is not great. Um, not necessarily disqualifying, but certainly sub average, uh, for for starting offensive tackles, so like, I think he his tape is probably good enough that that you still say okay, he can probably play left tackle. But I'll say this: if he does not test well at the combine and the athleticism is just kind of eh, and he's got short arms, then I'm I, I, I think he's going to start to get more into the guard conversation because you know some people I will say I, this: I Patrick Paul, Foster, Patrick Paul. Uh, stand up by the way as well uh, oh, was, yeah, yeah. we started the thing there's a bunch of people talking about Patrick Paul and if he tests really well because he's got the size if he tests really well that's a guy to keep your eye on too yeah and I'll throw um, 
another Longhorn at you, uh, Christian Jones. Um, yeah. Great measurables, really improved over the course of his time at, at Texas. He didn't start playing football until he was, I think, 17 years old. Uh, he was a soccer player growing up, believe it or not, uh, for a guy that's now like, I think, 6'6", 330 uh with like 36 inch arms i mean the guy is a uh or 35 inch arms the guy's a freak um and he could test really well too uh he's a good athlete so i'll be very interested to see where he comes in because he's going to be a guy him and kingsley uh is it suamatea uh from byu those two guys are guys that like i kind of have my eye on if the titans do not go tackle in the first round I, I think those are day two kind of guys I think Christian Jones may be more of a three third fourth round kind of borderline uh based on most mock drafts right now but he's a guy that could work himself into like firm day two territory I think with with a strong testing uh showing at the combine so I don't know if Braden's still watching but he may be mad that we're running a little over but I I, I have a question I just have to ask okay all right because I thought this was interesting because we, we're all about evolving mindsets, talking through new theories, new concepts and everything. And Greg Cassell apparently is a guy that does that a lot. And I, I wouldn't know because he said Derek Henry's not an outside uh, zone runner, <laughs> which I will always lord over his head as being one of the stupidest things I've, I've ever heard an analyst say. Yeah. But he said something that I thought was very interesting, and it's a discussion I'm going to be asking a lot of people. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask Stoney, going to ask Braden, probably a few others, about your thoughts on this. Because we have talked about that right tackle has, is about as 90% as important as left tackle. Yeah. I think we both have agreed with that. But he said, in this instance, that because it is so important as right tackle at this point, because of guys like uh, TJ Watt, uh, he said someone else lined up over on that other side. I don't think it was Miles Garrett, but he also said someone else lined uh, up. Over Crosby, line. Crosby lines up. And, yeah, I think it was Max yeah. Crosby. That there is the only delineation between a player who could play right tackle and a player who could play left tackle. The only delineation or difference between the two players is that one protects the blind side. What are your thoughts on that? Because we talk all the time of, and we've heard offensive line, some offensive linemen say how difficult it is to learn a new position because you're kind of, you're, you're the mirroring of your hands and you know, your technique and all this stuff. But is it easier for a prospect possibly to do it? Like you, we talked about Fuaga, who is a guy that could be going to, that could, he thinks he could play on the left side. That's, that's mm -hmm. the, that's the example he was using. What are your thoughts on that mentality? I, I think it depends a little bit on the player. I think some guys have an easier okay. transition than others, um, but it's hard to know that um, going in, you know, because everyone's going to say, yeah, no problem. I could do that when they're in an interview process, right? Nobody's going to say like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're planning on moving me, uh, I am, you know, except for Taylor Lewan, apparently. Taylor Lewan apparently was telling the Titans that, no, I'm a left tackle. <laughs> I'm a left tackle only. I don't play on the right side. Um, but I, I think it's, yeah, some players are going to struggle. You know, you've got so many reps in your body at that point, doing it a certain way, pushing off of this leg, using this leg, using this arm to punch. And now you're having to flip all that. And, and it's like, I mean, it is, it's kind of like we're, you know, you write right-handed for your whole life, and then someone asks you to write left-handed. It's like, well, I know how to do it, but I can't get my body to do it correctly, right? So 
Um, it's not that extreme, obviously, uh, you know, as far as like fine motor detail versus, uh, you know, what they're doing. Um, but I think it's, it's not always as translatable going from left to right, but I do think his point on the value of the two positions is accurate. I think it doesn't really like, and that's why I'm like, look, if you think Fuaga is a better right tackle than uh, Alt or Fashanu are left tackles. A lot of people uh, think Fawaga is the best one in the entire class. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I, I keep yeah. hearing it. I keep hearing it. I, you know, I do everybody. too. I, I have seen it all over the place now. Um, and it's more, you know, Fashanu almost seems like the third guy. It's almost like it's Alt, Fawaga, and then Fashanu. If you like took the composite out of everybody, and that's just me kind of like, mentally doing that <laughs> but um i do think that that's the conversation now but it, yeah if you said all right we could go get Fawaga, who we think is an awesome right tackle prospect or we could take a left tackle prospect who we think is good but maybe not as good a prospect just take the right tackle i mean like the the lions did that with penny sewell which they didn't i mean sewell was a left tackle in college they flipped into the right side he's been awesome uh for them but they took him knowing he was going to be a right tackle for them at number seven overall, I believe. I believe that was number seven. Um, and, yeah, it doesn't matter. Lane Johnson has been the best offensive lineman on the Eagles for a decade, and they have always had great offensive lines. It doesn't really matter, like, whether you have your star at right tackle or left tackle to me. It's just that you have a star at one of them. Um, so, but, yeah, I think, yeah, a guy like Sewell, he can flip easy. Like, we've heard a guy like Dillard say that it's very hard to, for him to flip to like a right-handed side uh, or like a right side of the formation kind of position. So I don't know. It, I think it's going to vary by player on that. But yeah, positionally, don't care. Don't care. Get get an awesome tackle. For what it's worth, Mel Kuyper in today's mock draft that he released had J.C. Latham go to I saw, the Chargers I saw at number that. five, which would be would be very fantastic for the Tennessee Titans if that which, was the case. I think that leaves so much... For them at seven, if that what happens at seven depends so much on the Chargers, and I hate it. Like right yeah. now, I just absolutely hate it. I hate. And I have I no that. idea what they're going to do. Spot like, where it depends on them. Yeah, and I and I really do think. I mean, free agency is going to inform some of that too, because I, I think about like Mike Onwenu, and I'm like, God, he would be perfect for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he played for him before, right? Like, um, that's a perfect fit as a free agent signing, and if you sign. On Wainu, you're probably not take, taking a tackle uh, in the first round. So then, like, and look, I mean, I've already heard that the Chargers are basically <laughs> planning on trading out of five if they can. So, like, there's no telling if they're going to actually make that pick or move down or whatever. But um, I, it's fascinating. that I do feel like the draft kind of starts at five right now with the Chargers. And, you know, it's going to yeah. be quarterbacks and Marvin Harrison in the first four, and and we'll see what happens after that. Maybe more quarterbacks come come off the board. We'll see after what the combine uh, scuttlebutt is. Come after these quarterbacks throw. I'm uh, excited for rumors. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it for us. Uh, enjoy the combine. Enjoy the underwear Olympics Thursday, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. A football show where we'll be diving deep even further into the combine and comments stuff that we did not cover here. I purposely left some comment discussions out to save for a football show. Um, we're going to be talking real deep into the combine, what you can learn, what you can glean, what to ignore, all that stuff. You know what you shouldn't ignore is our sponsors over at Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Head over there, get your combine supplies, get you some beer, some THC drinks, 
get you whatever you need to mellow out and enjoy some men in shorts just running around and bench pressing stuff. Just good old boy stuff. Just make sure that you do it responsibly. Drink responsibly. Don't drink it. Drive. And then guess, just use Uber Eats. They'll they'll deliver right to your door. They'll drive so you can drink. Don't worry about that. Paulkarski.com, stackingtheinbox.com.com. Subscribe to both. Follow both of us on Twitter. Turn on notifications for this show. Subscribe, rate, and review. All that stuff over at YouTube and over wherever you get your podcasts. For Mike, I'm Zach. This has been Football and Other F-Words and our show, shortest show for the last like <laughs> five episodes. We did, we did it. it. Still over an hour, but we did it. <laughs> but, but this has been Football and Other F-Words and you have just been f